Good morning, NBCC. We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're new here today, we want to get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Here at NBCC, there are so many opportunities to serve. So go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time.
So ready in the you cannot choose but it was once for all the father gave his son the kingdom is an end and the rates of hell won't stand now victory we lift our soul again Let praise is
As we conclude the music portion of our service this morning, we want to continue to worship by giving. We try to make this as easy as possible, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website to give. We are ready to hear what Pastor Mike has to say through his word this morning, so let's jump on in. Hey, welcome everyone. So glad we could be together at Missionville Christian Church. We are currently in a series through the letter of Philippians in the New Testament. We're going to be in the second chapter, verses 19 to 30, but before we get there, I just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our veterans, all who have served in our military or currently serving, and to all of our families who serve our country as well. We thank God for you and thank God that we have the freedom that we have here. And we just, we love our country and love all that you do for us. So thank you on this Veterans Day weekend. I wanted to talk to you um, just really, really um, just out of the Bible and what God says about how to build really strong friendships. I've entitled this particular message uh, called Garden Friends. The total of the series I've entitled Dangerous. The reason that I chose Dangerous is the writer, the author of Philippians, written to a city of Philippi, a community of believers in Jesus Christ. They had a really strong, healthy church, but they longed to see Paul, and Paul longed to see them. They were missing one another. Paul was in prison while he wrote this letter, and, and I think that the flavor of what he was trying to communicate to them is, look, no matter what happens to you, persecution may come, difficult times may come, life may not always be easy, but that deep sense of joy and knowing Jesus, no matter what happens around us, it can be chaotic, there can be a lot of uncertainty, but the fact that you live with this deep-seated joy of knowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit power can be very dangerous to the world because we know that, that for the most part, the world is, is hostile against Christianity, hostile against God, and even hostile against the church. And so we want to be a dangerous way toward the enemy who's trying to stop the work of the gospel. And that doesn't mean we fight with the same weapons that the world fights with. Our, we our, our weapons are of love and prayer and the scripture and living a life that looks like Jesus Christ. And that's what the author was doing, and he's simply trying to encourage a really healthy church, keep doing that. Now, in this respect here, 
in the second chapter, verses 19 to 30, which we'll read in just a moment. He talks about three guys that had a really strong bond together. I mean, they were, they were brothers um, shoulder to shoulder, and they were just, they were inseparable, and they had a strong sense of friendship, and I want to talk about how do we build that. You know, I was thinking about something. I was, the last couple of weeks, participated in a couple of memorial services uh, for some f- couple of folks who passed on and went to be with the Lord. They were believers, and they obviously are in heaven now because the Bible teaches that, but I got, kind of got to thinking about the fact that heaven is our destination, this is not our destination. The world is not the end. Um, we know that because the Word of God tells us, if we put our faith in Jesus, there's a real place called heaven. The Holy Spirit is there, the Father's there, and the Son, Jesus, is there, and we'll be in His presence forever. So just a reminder of that is 1 Corinthians 2.9 tells us, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, uh, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. Jesus said in John 14, My Father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I promise I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Of course, he's talking about a real place called heaven that he's preparing for you and for me. In Revelation 21, Jesus said through the pen of the apostle John, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And he will wipe away every tear. I just, I, I just wanted to reacquaint us and remind us of the fact that this is not our home. Heaven is our home. But until we get there, Paul wrote these letters to Christians that the work must go on until we meet Jesus. The work of advancing the good news of Jesus Christ. And one of the best contexts for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others is having strong friendships with one another that are like-minded. When, when, when he wrote this letter, Paul, I'm convinced that he was at a place of total surrender for God and total commitment to the people that he loved in Philippi. So the question is, how do we have strong friendships like we're going to see here between Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus? How do we get to a place where we have these garden friendships that go deeper than just the surface stuff that most friendships rely on? I think um, there's a principle that When we get the vertical relationship right, meaning when we get right with God, when we step into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that affects our horizontal relationships. When we get the vertical right, we can get the horizontal ones at a better place. And if we stick with that principle, I think God can bring us to a really, really good place with friendships that we have here on earth. If I was to ask you, um, name the five wealthiest people on the face of the earth. If I was to ask you, name the five, uh, last five Heisman Trophy winners in college football. Um, next question. Who were the five last people that won the Nobel Peace Prize? Who were the teams in baseball that won the five last World Series last five years? And the last question. Who were the ones, the football team that won the last five Super Bowls? Most of us probably could not give all those answers. But if I were to ask you these questions, which I'm going to do in just a minute, I'm, I'm so confident that each of us could answer these questions. 100%. I want you to name two teachers or coaches who made a difference in your life. Five friends that helped you through a difficult time. Five people that taught you life lessons just by the way that they lived. Five heroes that inspired you in your life. Five friends that you just love to spend time with. Friendships. 
people, relationships. That's what we are wired for. We are wired for this relationship between you and God, and we are wired for relationships here on earth. Now, we live in a world where there's broken relationships. We got a lot of division, racial tension, political division. I mean, it's almost like division everywhere we look. But the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, should be the most unified place on the face of the earth. And to illustrate that and how we can get the world to be unified, um, this uh, girl that was home with her dad uh, one afternoon while he was working from home, he had to get his work done. He was under a time crunch. And so um, she was just, Dad, Dad, I really want to spend time with you. Come outside. I want to play. I want to you know, do stuff. And he said, Honey, I can't right now. I got to get this work done. So to solve this problem, he thought, Well, I'll just tear a page out of the science magazine. And it was a picture of, of the Earth, of, of planet Earth. And he tore it up in little pieces. He put it on the ground as a puzzle. And he said, Well, honey, I, I want you to just spend time putting this back together, this puzzle. And then you let me know when you're done. He's thinking this is going to take an hour. Well, five minutes later, she came back in, was all taped up and put together. She showed him the world. She says, Daddy, look, I finished. And it was the world all put back together. He's like, honey, how did you do this? She said, well, Dad, it was easy. On the other side, when I put the man who was on the other side of the, pay, of the page of the magazine, when I put the man together, then the world came together. The man, that is such a golden illustration. When we have our relationship here that's put together with God, through Jesus Christ, and we're able to have healthy friendships here, it's a testimony to the world that the world can be put back together again. That's how the world will be healed, through Jesus Christ's love by how we love others. So question, they say in a lifetime, if you have two to three, what we're going to call garden friends, if you have two to three of those in a lifetime, you're doing really, really well. When uh, my wife and I were raising our boys, uh, when they were little, we, we taught them, you know, biblical principles, but we hoped that we were teaching them through our example. And um, sometimes through failure and sometimes through apologies, um, hopefully through a few things that went right. And one of those principles was friendships. You got to have good friends. My dad, their grandfather, always, I remember taught them that you got to, who you hang around is who you become. And he taught them that. And we tried to teach them as well. If you want a good friend, you got to be a good friend. So I think friendships we think are magic. Well, Lord, send me some friends that I can really rely on and build friend a strong bond with. And the Lord, I think, is teaching us here through the Word, we're going to read in just a second, that if we want to have good friendships, we need to be a good friend. And that's what Paul was to these guys. So knowing that the Philippian Christians wanted Paul to visit, but he couldn't, he needed to send some of his companions to this church to encourage them. He's got two guys, and I think there was no question in his mind who these two guys were going to be. It was going to be Timothy and Epaphroditus. question is, why did he choose them, and why were they so strongly connected heart to heart and soul to soul? Well, he says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send you, Timothy, and to uh, you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, 
my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, who was also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you in this, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him as also, not only also, but with me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. I think Paul is really, really clear here in what's going on. The people of God need some encouragement. It was a healthy church. It was a growing church, but he didn't want them to get off track. So he says, I know just the two guys who I can send. If I can't get to you, I want to send these two guys to you, the Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy was from a town called Derby slash Lystra. Um, Timothy was also uh, fortunate enough in his life, blessed enough to have a mom who was a follower of Jesus Christ and a grandmother who was a strong prayer warrior. We know that from the other scriptures. Timothy was also a follower of Christ, I think, through the witness of his mom and his grandmother. And he became just on fire for Jesus. He was so changed, radically changed by the love of Jesus Christ in his life. He was just full on for the work of advancing the gospel and partnering with Paul. Paul put his spiritual arm around Timothy and Epaphroditus and became friends. They became co-workers. They became fellow soldiers. And Paul poured into these guys and taught them how to walk with God. And I think that's why, I know that's why there was such a strong bond with these three men. So how do we get that strong bond? How do we get that closeness? How do we, how do we have friends that we know we could call at 2.30 in the morning if we had a crisis and we know it wouldn't bother him for a moment just to get in the car, come over and sit with us in whatever issue or problem that we had? I'm not talking about Facebook friends. I'm talking about faithful friends that are really born out of God and the Holy Spirit is in the center of it. I'm talking about a garden friend that knows you on your worst day knows you on your best day, knows you're on, your, on a day that you don't even know what day it is. Um, and, and when you're trying to figure life out, someone who really connects soul to soul, heart to heart, like-minded together. Someone who can look you in the eye and say, I'm not leaving. Yeah, I, okay, you messed up. I'm not leaving. I'm not going to abandon this, this friendship. Someone who sticks closer than a brother. Someone who can lay down their life for you. You would get in a foxhole with that person if need were. And you know that they would be loyal to the very end. Again, they say if we have two to three in a lifetime, we're doing really, really well. Sadly, I think there's a lot of folks who live among us who can't say without a doubt that they have this garden friend, garden friends in their life. We, we may have lots of friends, but we don't have these strong, soul-to-soul, heartfelt friends. So the question is, how do we cultivate a friendship that's biblically based? And how do we capture what Timothy and Epaphroditus and the Apostle Paul had together? I think the first dynamic they had, and what I want to strive for in my friendships, is loyalty. They had loyalty. How do we know that? Because in verse 19 right here, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. He knew that Timothy was loyal, and Timothy was loyal to Paul, and Paul was, Timoth- 
Paul was loyal to Timothy. We know that because there were previous um, journeys that Paul was able to lead uh, Timothy into, and he knew that he could finish the job well. I'll give you an example. In Acts, it says that Timothy went from Athens to Thessalonica. Paul then encouraged him from Ephesus to Corinth, and then from Ephesus to Macedonia on another occasion. And then, of course, lastly, now Rome to Philippi, which was an 800-mile journey. That's a really long, long journey. And because Timothy proved his loyalty in the past, Timothy could count, or Paul could count on that loyalty in the future. Here's a truth that I'm learning in my life about friendships and loyalty. Loyalty and faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Loyalty and faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. So the question is, how do we do this? Well, I think number one, it's really simple. Be reliable. If I say I'm going to do something, then I need to follow through with what I said I was going to do. Pretty simple. If I can follow through, being honest and genuine and not trying to cover it up, but just being honest and genuine with my friend and say, man, I am so sorry. I'm not going to be able to do what I, I said I was going to do, but I, I, I want to make it up to you. So I think working on being reliable breeds loyalty in that friendship. Do what I say and say what I do. I think confidentiality is another huge component of having a garden friend, of, of knowing that if I bear my soul to someone, I know that that's going to be a dead end. I know that they're not going to gossip. They're not going to tell anyone else. They're not going to broadcast it. And, and I want to be that kind of friend to that person. I think the second dynamic I find here, and as we're talking about building strong friendships in the Lord, is that they were like-minded, man. I love verse 20. Verse 20 says, I have no one else like him who, who will show genuine concern for your welfare, Philippians. I, I, I just love the fact that they were so like-minded. It didn't mean they agreed on everything, but their destination was agreeable. They knew they wanted to be more like Jesus together. They knew that they were going to be in heaven with the Lord because Jesus died for their sins. He forgave them of their sins. And they had that confidence in knowing from the word that they were on the same path. Now, they were definitely different. Timothy and Paul were different, but they had the same goal in mind. And I think I love that when we're like-minded with someone. You know when you meet someone and you just, you just know that you're like-minded. You lock arm in arm together. That like-mindedness is there. They had that. It's funny because my wife and I have been married for 32 years. We often kind of joke, the only thing we have in common really is that we're married on the same day. <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know, we're very different in personality and how we approach life and different environments and all that stuff. But I love the fact that we're so opposite in some ways that we complement one another. Yet our end goal is that we both want to be more like Jesus and we both want to encourage each other to be more like him together. So... Like-mindedness is really important. I think of some other guys in the Bible, other men and women that had that like-mindedness. David and Jonathan in the Old Testament. Moses and Aaron. Um, I think of Elijah and Elisha. I think of Naomi and Ruth. Just some good examples of strong garden friend relationships. How do we do that? We ask the Lord, bring someone into my life who's a true garden friend. And don't ask the Lord, bring them to me what they can do for me but Lord, what can I do for them? That's, see, that's true friendship. That's a garden friend. And secondly, I think an action point to being like-minded is get to work. It's work to have good friendships. It's not easy. It's not just magic. It doesn't just happen. We have to work 
to make those friendships fruitful. I think number three, the dynamic these three guys had is that they were truthful with one another and their relationship was based on truth. It was based on the word of God. So I think these guys were the real deal. I think they were real with one another. I think they were authentic. I think they didn't pretend. I don't think they denied when there was a problem. I think the fact that they were just, they were able to bear their soul. How do we know that? Because in verse 30, it says, he, Timothy and Epaphroditus, he wrote, he risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves couldn't give me. This guy risked his life. He was so bonded together with me that, that man, we could jump in the foxhole together and we know there was truth there. We could bear our soul to one another. They didn't pretend, they didn't fake, they weren't phony, and they weren't pretending. And I, I just think that that is a huge component of biblical friendship. So how do we do that? When there's friction, deal with it, man. When there's friction and tension or conflict, deal with it. That means come together, come to an agreement, confess it, repent of it, and let's move on. And let's work better at it. I think secondly is to just be honest, be real, just be open. I, I don't do well with, personally, I don't do well with friendships that fake, that pretend. I, I, I just, I feel more comfortable when, hey man, you just be you, me be me, and let's go on this journey together with Jesus and let's go after it. I think the last component here is that they were encouraging to one another. They encourage each other. Notice how Paul says, Timothy and Epaphroditus, I have no one else like him. Everyone looks out to their own interests, but not these guys. These guys look out for your interest and for the Lord. He calls them fellow bros, fellow brothers, fellow soldiers, fellow workers. Honor people like him. He's encouraging these guys. He's verbally encouraging. This is what I really want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you when you find, and this works for marriages, friendships, whatever it might be, find something they're doing right and pinpoint that one and verbalize it and, and praise God for what they're doing and tell them, hey man, I really appreciate what you're doing. I thank God so much because you've done this. Encouragement goes such a long way. It's, it's about lifting someone else up. You might have heard the story years ago about a shipwreck in the Atlantic Ocean. There was 26, 27 people who had, who had uh, jumped ship. There was a huge traumatic experience. The ship was going down fast. And they're just treading water. This unfortunately happened about like 2.30 in the morning. And one guy had a lifeboat that he had just quickly... Uh, retrieved from the ship that was going down and he went to as many people as possible and jump in and get the one person and lift them up. And did the same thing, went over to this other person um, 50 feet away and he jumped in and swam over, grabbed them and lifted them up while the 15th, 16th person, he was getting tired. And it says around that time, as he was lifting someone up, he himself was so exhausted, he sank into the Atlantic Ocean, he drowned, he died. And at his funeral, at his memorial service, testimony after testimony after testimony, and here's what they said. He was always lifting others up. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? Didn't he lift us up by the cross that he died on? Didn't he lift our life out of the mess that we were in? I, I just think it's so simple that we live in basically two camps. We live in Philippians. We're all going to turn 21 here spiritually today. We can live in Philippians 121, which says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Or we can live in 221 that says, for everyone looks out for his own interests. Question, which one will we live in? I want to live in Philippians 121. 
That's the kind of friend I want to be. So good, solid biblical friendships are loyal. They are like-minded, truthful, and they encourage one another. Why do we call them garden friends? Jesus himself, on the night that he was betrayed, on the night that he was going to be arrested and the next day crucified, his most intense moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he wrestled with not really wanting to go to the cross, but bearing the sins of the entire world, Peter, James, and John, come, come with me. As he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, I just need you to sit here with me. Just be with me. I need you to watch and I need you to pray. If the Son of God, God in flesh, needed companions, if he needed friends at his most intense moment, how much more does that say to us? We need good garden friends. So I hope this has been helpful help for us. hope this has been really good help. If, if it has been, I really want to encourage you to share this with somebody else and also want to remind you, if, if you need God, we're here at MVCC all the time. We would love to help you connect, connect with us. We would love to connect with you. We do have an outdoor service just for, for those who may not know at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. We'd love to see you. We will be back online every week. I'd like to just pray for you and I hope that this has been helpful about building strong friendships. God, I thank you that you were the creator. You are the creator, God, of, of strong friendships. And I pray that you help us to do this well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we'll see you next time at MVCC. God bless.